There were about 8,000 movie releases in the United States between 2007 and 2018. Of the 100 top grossing movies during these years, only 3% featured leads or co-leads with Latino actors. Why is this important? Because of the following number, 60 million, which is the number of Latinos living in the US. 77% of 50 US states have populations with a higher percentage of the 4.5% of Latinos that we currently see in Hollywood films. These are numbers provided by the University of Southern California's Inclusion Initiative report published in August 2019. I generally have an impulse to question statistics every time I read them and dissect them. But I think what's important here is that, considering that a significant part of the US population is Latino or Hispanic, and that we are avid moviegoers responsible for 23% of ticket purchases, there's still a lack of Latino representation in Hollywood films. Why is this the case? Well, there's a lot that goes into making films, and a lot of politics behind the creative decisions that are made. A lot of films with Latino leads require a Latino behind the camera taking matters into their own hands. Just like filmmakers Cristina Nava and Patrick Perez have done when bringing their movies to life. This is a movement. This is a wave. It's like it's like the surrealists in Paris, you know, in our, you know, it's like 1920s left bank Paris or whatever. There's a there's a there's a time and a place, and for us, it's Latino Hollywood now. Christina and Patrick are a team of Latino filmmakers and television creators focused on creating multicultural content and bringing Latinidad to the forefront. Because of this, they created Cinematicas, a collective of U.S.-based Latino filmmakers dedicated to advancing, accelerating, and amplifying Latinx American storytelling. On today's episode of Latinequis, Cristina, Patrick, and I talk about being a Latino filmmaker in Hollywood and how they, as Latinos, are doing their part in advancing the movement toward diversity in film. Hola, yo soy Andrea Márquez, and this is Latinequis a show from La Red Hispana for those of us who feel like we're not from here, nor there. Ni de aquí ni de allá. As millennials, we have a lot to talk about and a lot we want to say. So join us in conversation every week as we figure out how we can get involved in our communities, locally, nationally, or even internationally. As you know, a podcast is a journey, and I would love for you to follow ours. So follow us on Instagram at LatinX and reach out. I'd love to hear from you. We're also on Apple iTunes Podcasts, so remember to download and subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date. Due to safety reasons, we are recording from home, so please bear with us if the sound is not of studio quality. You know, when I got in this industry about 20 years ago, I was looking at the demographic numbers at the time and just seeing that one in every five kids, or like three out of every five kids, is Latino. I don't know the exact statistics, but there's a, a huge, the majority of the Latino population in, in the United States is young. Uh, and that means it's a Latino future. And it's a bunch of people who are going to grow up like me uh, in this country with, with perhaps one or two Spanish-speaking parents. So I thought, wouldn't it be great to, to make stories about um, the children of immigrants, about Latinos' experiences, and, because so many people are going to be going through this, you know? And yet, in the last 20 years, we've been telling these types of stories like Charlie's Angels, for instance, is counted as a Latino film because Cameron Diaz is in it. It has nothing to do with being Latino at all, other than the fact that her last name is Diaz, right? So, so that's a lot of what they're counting, and it doesn't count, in my opinion. So the difficulty, why, the question why, that's, that's a hard one. 
because there's many reasons I think. One of them is, first of all, there's no stories out there. Second of all, Latinos go to films anyway, no matter who's involved, right? We've, we'll go see any blockbuster, any, you know, we're, we're heavy movie going audience, one of the largest, demographically uh, speaking, more Latinos go to movies than anybody else. But they're not clamoring for specifically Latino content uh, in the English language yet. And I think it's partially because we don't have, um, and as, as we're making it now, as we're making our films, one of the difficulties we see is we don't have enough Latino stars, bankable stars to headline films with Latino themes. And, and the other one, which is a more subtle thing, is that a lot of the stories uh, are just so stereotypical and so kind of offensive that we're not even interested. Go see another drug dealer film or another, uh, you know, gangbang film. We want to see a little bit more variety in our Latino representation. So I think once we start getting people, um, Latinos in, in producing, in the power to produce, write and direct, uh, we're going to start seeing a more varied and wider representation uh, of Latinos. When it comes to diversity in film, a big part of the conversation centers around Latinos being in leadership positions. But this also involves creating opportunities for Latinos in all aspects of the filmmaking process. From talent agencies recruiting and signing Latino talent to production companies considering Latino directors for top movies. And philanthropists, nonprofits, and legislators supporting specific funding created for budding and mid-career Latino filmmakers. What I believe that it's important to be part of a movement, that nothing happens in isolation. And if we are a bunch of filmmakers struggling to make stories that are more inclusive to Latinos, um, we share a mission and a goal. And we share, and I did feel like we were part of a movement. When we, I made my first film, um, when we made uh, Lola's Love Shack, when I got to direct my first film, um, I noticed that, that in that year, about five of my friends made nine. films that nine, nine, there were nine. There were nine Latino, independent Latino films that came out that year. I'm like, this is a movement. This is a wave. It's like it's like the surrealists in Paris, you know, in our, you know, it's like 1920s left bank Paris or whatever. There's a there's a there's a time and a place, and for us, it's Latino Hollywood now. Patrick and Christina have set out to be part of a simple mission to make sure that what we see on film and TV reflects reality. As a Latina, I get excited when one of the main characters of a movie I'm watching is a Latino. And often I support films directed or written by Latinos because I enjoy seeing my culture, my family and my upbringing on the screen. It makes me proud to be a Mexican-American Latina. I think a large part of the difference will come in supporting each other getting together and uniting for the same cause. So how did Patrick and Cristina decide to join forces? Well, first, they decided to join forces in another way, by becoming husband and wife. So Patrick and I um, met when we were in our 20s. We were single. We met in an after-school program. I was teaching theater. I was and, teaching film. And they invited uh, Patrick to come and record some of my students who were acting. They were doing a little performance. We were and we, we didn't hit it off then at all. <laughs> no. We were just compañeros de trabajo, you know, we just workmates. Yeah, so so then uh, for four years later, four years later, um, he was on a radio show called The Pocho Hour of Power on 90.7 KPFK. And I was touring um, a one-woman show called Rocks and My Salsa. And so, 
I was invited by their producer to come on. And honestly, I was really nervous to go on the radio show because it was four dudes and it was a hot mess sometimes because they were just, they went at, you know, it was, it like, was a comedy show. So we, we had yeah. fun with it and we would, you know, we would take the piss a little bit out of some of our guests, <laughs> and, you know, have, have fun. So I was really nervous, but when I walked in, I saw him and I had no idea that he was on the, on the show for whatever reason I didn't know. And so immediately the level of anxiety kind of just went away. She walked in and said, you're on the show. <laughs> and I said, Christina, no, how are you? And, and uh, we hadn't seen each other for quite a while, but there was chemistry like right that minute. So I finished the, when I finished my segment, I was the first guest and I had finished talking. And then, um, so I went outside and I was trying to like really just make time so that I could talk to him after the radio show. And I talked to everybody in the, in the, um, in the studio. I ran out of people to talk to, so I kind of like, I said, oh, well, I'll get his phone number somehow, right? So I went out to my car and I drove really slowly through the parking lot. <laughs> so, so meanwhile, I was on, you know, we were interviewing people and it was just going forever. I was looking at the clock. I'm like, hurry up, I want to go talk to her. And uh, finally, like our last guest left. I ran out, I was like, where is she? They're like, she just left. So I ran to the door and then I opened it very slowly. Cool, cool <laughs> as a cucumber. Walked outside and she was just exiting the parking lot. And Very I like, slow. And I was like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> the rest is history and we were pretty much inseparable. Yeah. yeah. We've been together ever since. Now, as husband and wife, Cristina and Patrick have made it their mission to represent Latinos through their work. Just as they are. Diverse, vibrant, hardworking, loving, and fun. That's why they founded a collective of mid-career U.S.-based Latino filmmakers called Cinematicas. Another group that is dedicated to helping Latinos in film is NALIP, the National Association of Latino Independent Producers, which has their annual media summit as well as different programs aimed at helping budding and established filmmakers. There's also Latino Real, Latino Filmmakers Network, and the Sundance Institute Feature Film Program, and more. A list of these groups and organizations can be found in the description of this episode. After we made our first film, a feature film called Lola's Love Shack, uh, we met a bunch of people and one of them was uh, a man who turned out to be our executive producer named Ruben Islas. And he contacted me one day and he said, Patrick, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about making films, but you guys actually did it and I'm very impressed. And, and he's like, I want to make a film with you. So we were like, great. So we got our pitches together. We drove down to his house and we started telling him uh, the next movie want, we wanted to make. And he's like, whoa, 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 I don't want to, you misunderstand me. I don't want to make your film. I want you to make my film. <laughs> and we're like, oh. So he proceeded to tell us the story of a friend of his who fell in love with a girl in Europe who didn't speak English. And he didn't speak her language, which at the time was Greek and French. And he thought there was something there, a cute romantic comedy. But he said, okay, this is the story I want to tell and I want to set it in Valle de Guadalupe, Mexico. Christina and Patrick's upcoming film, in other words, is a romantic comedy about a tech geek who creates a matchmaking app and is matched with a young woman who is from Mexico and doesn't speak English. The movie shines a light on the beautiful parts of Mexico that we don't often see depicted on the screen. We also took into account a lot of the, uh, the mission that we had and um, with regards to 
you know, giving um, our characters uh, diversity. We're never what you expect us to be, you know? He meets this blonde girl at a club and she is from Mexico City and doesn't speak any English. Okay? Most Americans don't think about blonde Latinos as also Mexican, you know? And when they go to Mexico to go find this girl, it's much more beautiful than they ever expected. It's much more cultured and, and um, fine dining and beautiful wines. And uh, these are things Mexico's not famous for. So we always want to show that kind of surprising aspect. And we, we think that through comedy, we're able to, to get people in their theater, they let their guard down, and they learn something new without being lectured to. This was actually a love letter to Mexico and um, all the beauty that we we see anytime we're down there. And, um, and hopefully it will open up some hearts and minds in this political climate that we're going through right now with the how Mexicans in Mexico is viewed. So for us, as viewers and media consumers, one way we can help is by showing up. Cuando hay una película en, en los cines, de, y sabemos que es escrita por un latino, o que hay un latino o un director, ir a ver esa película, ¿verdad? Es también en Netflix o Hulu, Amazon, lo que sea, en, en HBO, ver las películas, mandar likes a las películas o los programas como Agentified o One Day at a Time y así se puede, nos podemos ayudar uno al otro. A fun fact that I learned from Patrick and Christina during our conversation is that the first week is what counts. It's the most important of any other because it's when investors know how many tickets are sold, how many viewers are watching a show, and who is interested in this type of content. The more we support by showing up, the more we will see ourselves reflected on screen. In other words, it's due to be released in the fall, and you can follow Patrick and Christina on Instagram at patperezworld and I am Christina Nava. As always, you can find their information in the description of this episode. I encourage you to keep up with their work and to watch their movie once it's out in the fall. Hey guys, this is our sixth episode on Latinx. As I said toward the beginning of this episode, a podcast is a journey, and I would love for you to follow ours. So follow us on Instagram at Latinx and reach out. I'd love to hear from you.